Thank you for joining us. I'm Paul Wilson. And I'm Chris Hemke. And this is Diesel Performance Podcast. Guys, uh, we got a great show put together today. We got a returning uh, podcast all-star. Jason Worley is going to be on with us. Real quick, we want to give a shout-out to our sponsors. They make our show happen. You can support us by supporting them. You can visit DuramaxTuner.com. Uh, yes, there's going to be a huge Black Friday deals going on in November. There's going to be an all-month-long November sale going on, so check in for details. Chris, if they want to get a hold of you to find out more about it, how can they reach you? Uh, CMKey at DuramaxTuner.com, or they can reach me, uh, dial the main line, and extension 2121. There you go. Axergy Performance. Uh, we just had Randy and Jordan on the show here last week, I believe, or the week before. Uh, we love working with those guys. Axergy they provide us all of our high-pressure common rail fuel components that you could think of. Uh, the reason we keep working with them is because we always have that top level of quality, the upper echelon of performance. They all use Exergy. You should use Exergy, too. Yeah. And then we have WC Fab. You know, we're uh, very close with the guys and Jason and everybody. Uh, one-stop shop, you know, intakes, intercooler pipes, traction bars. You want to custom color code things and, you know, make a real cool show truck out of it. Uh, you know, they could be a one-stop shop for that. The one thing that I always want to note, you know, uh, Paul, Exergy and Worley are two of those companies, you know, we choose to work with, right? Yep. But you could have... A competition truck on the weekends that have Exergy WC Fab products, and your tow rig could have Exergy and WC Fab products, and have two completely different catalogs right of parts, but you're getting the best premium components possible for your truck, whether it's everyday driver or competition use. Absolutely correct. And hey, speaking of Worley and the crew, like we said, we got Jason Worley on the show. Jason, how the hell are you? Doing good, guys. How are you? Doing good? Doing excellent, yeah. Uh, hey, we know this episode is coming out a few hours behind normal, uh, but that's okay. We wanted to hold on till we had a chance to talk with Jason. Recently, he had visited our shop to talk with our team about some different intakes, intake horns, Y-bridges, intercooler piping, and, and just a whole bunch of, of the products that they have going on. Uh, a lot of it, I think, will come back and circle around to at some point, maybe in this episode, maybe in future episodes. But the topic, Jason, that really grabbed my attention was was your guys' Y-Bridges. Now, can you just maybe give us a, a, a breakdown for a newer listener? What is a Y-Bridge? What kind of problems do they have from the factory? Yeah, sure. So we'll break it down in layman's terms for the for the listeners that are, that are new to Duramaxes. Uh, Y-bridge is a term um, referring to the intake manifold, uh, essentially the intake manifold splitter that takes your single intercooler pipe from the intercooler outlet uh, that splits the intake air between your left and right bank of your, your V8. You know, it goes in the center of the engine, and one side of the Y-bridge goes to the driver's side intake uh, cylinder head, and the other one goes to the passenger side. So it dubbed the name Y-Bridge over time, over the years, and it's a, it's a pretty popular upgrade um, on all the Duramaxes, being a V8 engine and having a turbo in the valley, two separate intake manifolds. they got to be brought together one way or another because your intercooler is just a single pipe. Um, so starting out in 01 with the LB7, um, Pretty basic Y-bridge. We make upgrades. We make upgrades for the LB7. Uh, it's a part we've been producing for over 10 years now. Uh, the, the factory Y-bridge on the LB7 is about two and a quarter inches in diameter on the inside. It's a cast aluminum part. It's got a lot of neck down areas um, that are detrimental to flow. And we make a nice piece. It's a full three inches. Uh, the intercooler pipe on the LB7 
is three inches and then it necks down to two and a quarter at the end to meet the Y bridge and that's the big bottleneck in the system. Uh, so we offer a package that's a full three inch intercooler pipe into the three inch Y bridge, which opens up that intake track tremendously, uh, helping that engine breathe better and uh, create more throttle, better throttle response, and quicker, quicker turbo spool up. I love that idea too, right? Of looking at just a factory design flaw where it went from all the way down to two and a quarter. Cause when you look at a factory LB seven Y bridge, it looks like a hefty part, right, yeah. Chris? Yeah. It, lo- it looks like it's robust. It, it looks like a hefty part. It doesn't look like something that's going to have a lot of wear and tear. But like you said, once you start looking at the inside of it and looking at how air actually flows through it, there's a big bottleneck there. Um, have you guys done any flow testing? Is there like a percent more that going to three inch uh, allows for you guys to flow air through it? Yeah, so it's pretty consistent. Um, when you're talking 2001 to 2010 model years, uh, the factory parts are all in that two to two and a quarter inch range. And when you're increasing to the three inch version that, that we make for those trucks, um, you're, you're typically looking at about a 30 to 40 percent increase in, in cross sectional area. And on the flow bench, when we put the parts on the flow bench, it's pretty consistent uh, backup in CFM numbers as well. So, you know, for example, our, our LBZ LMM Y-Bridge kit, which is kind of our, our staple, that's the most popular. Just there's, there's a lot of LBZ LMM trucks out there, and it's a, it's a very common upgrade on those model years because the factory design kind of went backwards in, in quality from the LB7 I just mentioned because it actually went to a two-piece model where the, the, the component is kind of held together by other pieces and it's just an O-ring seal and it's not very well supported. And when you add upgraded uh, tuning, turbochargers, you're making higher boost levels, et cetera, it's not uncommon for those factory Y-bridges to, to come apart there at that, at that joint connection. So we, we redesigned all that factory uh, setup to use a, a bolt-together style where it's still a two-piece design, so it's easy to install. Uh, because being two-piece makes it easier to, to access the lower mounting hardware. Um, there's a lot of one-piece Y-bridges on the market, and installing them is a complete nightmare. Uh, so the two-piece design is nice for installation, and we just in, improve the, the components so that it's uh, an O-ring seal with a bolt-together style flange uh, versus the factory design that just, just relies on the O-ring seals, really, and they, and they come apart under higher boost levels. Uh, but all these components, you know, full three-inch track, as I mentioned, you know, the LBZ LMM at, on the flow bench, it goes from the factory part flowing 350 CFM to our part flowing 485, you know, 30, wow. 36% increase over Holy factory. Holy shit. And it, it, it does, you know, on the dyno, if you were to dyno and back-to-back, you know, you're not going to necessarily pick up 20 horsepower or 30 horsepower, but you're letting your engine breathe better. You're going to make the same horsepower with, with less boost. Uh, boost is just a measure of restriction, essentially. And if you can make that intake track flow better and more efficiently, the engine's going to run better. It's going to be more responsive. It's going to spool quicker. And it's, it's overall better in every way, shape, or form. There's literally no, there's no negative uh, effect to, to that aspect. Um, oh. So couple that with performance tuning and upgraded turbocharger, and it makes for an all-around freer-flowing setup that's capable of making more horsepower. Have you ever done like back-to-back testing? Like, where where is the restriction in a factory Y bridge? Like, you know, I'm I'm building an 06, you know, Duramax, and I, I wanna, you know, I wanna shoot for the moon. I wanna see, you know, 800 horsepower. Right? Is a factory Y bridge really gonna be able to get me there? Or where do you start to see like the restriction in the factory Y bridge to where, at this power level, an aftermarket Y bridge is kind of a necessity. 
I mean, you can you can still make that power. It's just you're going to be doing it with higher boost levels, and you're going to higher boost creates more heat. Um, so if you can make the same power with less boost, you're going to do it with less heat, which is better for performance and better for the engine. And overall, as as those horsepower levels increase, the higher flowing Y-bridge is only going to be a bigger gain in airflow because you're flowing that much more air. A, a truck that's making 500 horse, you know, is consuming so many cubic feet of air. Now a truck that's making 1,000 horsepower is consu- consuming twice the amount of cubic feet of air. And if you can flow that air into the engine through a larger pipe, you know, think of it as a straw. Take a coffee straw and, and try and take a drink of something. And how long does it take you to suck the water out of that drink? Now take a big, you know, huge straw that you drink a, a, a slushy with or something. That larger straw, you're going to be able to suck that drink down quicker. You're going to consume that air easier flowing through those larger pipes. It's such an interesting concept when we get into the charged air system because I, my head's right where you're at, Chris, which I think is like the basics of performance, which is what's my next limiting factor. Of like course. Where does the Y-bridge come up to become a limiting factor? And like Jason, to your point, like it, it may not be a limiting factor. I don't know that I've seen a 1,000 horsepower Duramax build on a factory Y-bridge. No. I can't remember ever not- I'm noting that. I'm sure it's that. there. Maybe right. we need maybe we need a listener to to tell us. If you've right? done it, please come on the Facebook page yeah. and call Chris a liar. Um, I never said. <laughs> but but well, I the, will. The biggest restriction there is why you haven't seen the thousand horsepower setup with a sock bridge, or if you have, it's typically modified, is because they don't hold together at that type of power level because of the boost levels. Is that's when they split apart. Now, I love I mean, that. We see stock trucks, you know, just higher mileage, or they've been apart and together multiple times, and. Uh, those factory bridges just don't seal as well and it's a boost leak and you guys know and you guys preach it as well with with tuning and turbochargers um dealing with the self product line and the tuning you sell boost leaks are literally the worst enemy of it of any turbocharged engine you oh, know yeah. it's, it's unregulated it's it's a loss of air it's it's a major issue in every aspect as far as performance and when those factory bridges start leaking I mean, that's the number one issue with the factory design is the leaks I and agree. the gain in airflow is is kind of a a big positive, just just another benefit of the part. I would say nine out of ten guys that we talk to, <laughs> if it's an oh four and a half to ten truck and their trucks are running poorly and they end up doing a boost leak down test, chances are it's coming out of that two piece Y bridge right out of the O ring. Yeah, yeah, and it's yep. it's funny too because that can be one of the harder ones for the guys to kind of track down. Oh, it's, it's one not, of the more difficult. Yeah, yeah, for it's, sure. It's not like the easiest spot to get no. to. I think that's usually oh, one buried. we find with the soapy water, right? Yep, yep. it's buried way down there in the engine it's it's quite an install to get that factory bridge out of there but you know not even just the bridge the whole the whole upper section of the factory parts that connects to the bridge you know from your from your throttle valve on an lmm or just the connection to the inner fluid pipe on an lbz through the grid heater through the connection to the egr system that whole upper section is this big it's two big cast aluminum components and they've got big dents and divots and and all kinds of neck down areas i mean there, there's a section of the factory y bridge where it's literally only an inch wide and then it opens up you know there's just weird big bottlenecks and ours when we designed it it's you know it's a full three inch pipe and it's a full three inches the whole way it's smooth transitions to the flanges it gets rid of all the the kinked areas and you know the biggest thing is it, it still connects to the egr system it still connects to the to the grid heater and to the throttle valve you know it's 100 percent emissions compliant part you can bolt it on you have a stock truck with no tuning, you can bolt it on. No tuning required. No check engine lights. Um, you know, it's it's a it's an emissions compliant upgrade. And if you've got tuning, well, then better yet. No, I think that further allows you to to grow in power too, right? Like 
when you were at the shop a couple weeks back, you know, I kind of made a couple comments. I was like, you know, we're going to talk about Y-Bridges. Like, we know the parts that we sell here at Calibrated, and, you know, we've been working with you guys for years. But there's been some new design on some of those parts, and I know you kind of touched on them, but from the old style and design of the Y-Bridge to the new style and design of the Y-Bridge, you know, I know you have the provisions for the emissions, which, you know, in the old style wasn't necessarily there. Did that hinder in the flow capabilities or the performance of what that Y-Bridge is truly capable of, or were you able to retain a lot of that? No, actually, believe it or not, we spent enough time uh, designing the parts and on the flow bench. Our, our, our Y-Bridge kit that we sell currently for the LBZ LMM um, that's emissions compatible, uh, emissions compliant, it actually flows the exact same as the old version that we used to sell years ago that's no longer available for emissions reasons. Um, so it wasn't even a step backwards. We were able to design the part with all the emissions components intact, and it flows just as good as what we used to sell, You know, which I mentioned earlier is you know, 35 36% better uh, flow than the factory components. That's such a cool factor. This is something that I think we've talked about for a long time on the show, right, is there's only a few things that really drive innovation Mm -hmm. in in this industry, right? So, uh, obviously, competitors coming out, emissions regulations coming out, uh, horsepower desire. Those are kind of your three big motivators as a business to redesign something that's been working. Because your guys' old old Y-bridges back in the day, you know... They worked. Everybody loved yeah. them. They, they were a super popular product, and, and it was some nice bling down in the bottom of the oh, engine yeah. bay. I don't think I ever saw a raw one ever on a truck. <laughs> at, um, least, at least not with Whirly's name on it. Yeah, but. yeah, right? Yeah. So well, so if you were getting a WC Fab Y-Bridge you know, seven years ago, you were going to get it powder-coated if you could. Um, and, and then now you're still doing that same thing, but... But can you talk a little bit about that design process? It used to just be you and your brothers kind of, you know welding stuff together in a shop to, to oversimplify it. What is your guys' design process like now? Yeah, I mean, when it all started out, obviously, we didn't have quite the staff that we have now, and everything was kind of one-off. Um, you know, we get a truck in, we, we might build a product just for that truck, and then it, 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 it obviously um, grew to the point where we were shipping product out and, and had to, you know, start mass-producing stuff, and that's when we built jigs and we're doing stuff on mock-up engines. Uh, and then from there, you know, we've, we've made strides in the last six or seven years, you know, with, with computer software, you know, with engineers, with better equipment and just a wider range of, of opportunity with the equipment we have at our hands. And we've redesigned a lot of product. I mean, there's not much that we, I don't think there's anything we still sell that hasn't been redesigned, um, you know, over the course of the last six or seven years to be improved upon, uh, for ease of installation, uh, the manufacturing side of it to make manufacturing go smoother to help keep the price of the component down or from having to have increases due to material increases. We, we try and make cuts anywhere else we can in the, in the manufacturing process to make it more efficient. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, to give you a, a product that's, that fits better, uh, installs nicer, looks better. And, you know, we can, we can mass produce, uh, not have to bring a truck in here to install every single one on and, and test it on. So having the engineers has been a huge step for us uh, to be able to design this stuff and, and, you know, run it through the machine shop or the laser or the, even the weld shop with our jigs and our fixtures, you know, not having to have a full engine at every workbench and we can have jigs at the bench that, that we can assemble these components on and, and they, they fit better than some of the factory stuff we deal with. <laughs> <laughs> well, that fitment, that fitment's always been the big, I, I remember 10 years ago, like when I really started to get into this stuff, um, 
fitment was a big question when it came to any fabricated parts. Yeah. There's several fab shops that I think probably still today uh, that are pretty well known for like, hey, it'll 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 fit if you it'll if fit. you tap it, yep. right? Yeah. Well, now your you know your your fresh powder coat and all that. Now things are getting scratched. Or I've had in the past where oh yeah, you just put a dent in it. Put a dent in it and it'll clear you know the the oil filter or it'll clear the oil housing of the power steering pump and it's like I just spent X amount of money on the, these pipes and now you want me to, to to put a dent you want me to take a hammer to what I what I just bought for <laughs> clearance that's always difficult yeah no we 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 don't deal with that anymore I would say uh, we we've got a pretty good reputation for for product that fits and looks good and and works. How how was that scaling process? What were some of the challenges of going from from just doing the, some of those one off uh, Y bridges to really getting up to the point now where where you have engineers, you have flow benches, and you 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 know what I mean? All of this science and everything that goes behind it. Oh, it's all come with time. You know, it didn't all happen at once. It was steps here and there. Um, you know, I had a lot of ideas on how to make the parts better. I mean, we used to produce these bridges as a one piece design, uh, just because we didn't have a better way of doing it. And the one piece was better because it was fully welded, but they were absolutely terrible to install. And it was more or less just, hey, kind of got to deal with it. it. It doesn't blow apart. It sucks to install, but at least it doesn't leak. And then, you know, I kind of, we revisited that and I came up with the idea of our current design, which it's, it's kind of hard to explain, you know, in a, in a podcast here. But if you go to our YouTube channel and, and look up our LBZ Y-Bridges, I, I go in depth in a video and I, I show how the, our HAR assembly works and, and what makes it stay together and how it's still an easy part to install. And it's stuff like that that's just evolution over time. You know, we had a, the complaints were regular. You know, these things suck to install. And it's just, yeah, I know, I know, we know they, stay, they suck. But, uh, you know, at least they don't blow apart, like I said. But we went back to the drawing board and made it better. That was, I don't know, seven or eight years ago now. And we've been running with that design since, and it's just worked flawless. And the recent update is just to, you know, make sure that all the emissions components are, you know, compatible with it. Uh, but it still uses the same core Y-Bridge that we've been making for, for many years now that other woman's used to. So, Jason, uh, you guys have taken your time. It's gone step by step. The development process, like you said, maybe had to be tweaked to, to meet emission standards or to be able to allocate uh, you, you know, the appropriate connections for the emissions. And still you were able to retain, retain that high level of flow. Are there other parts you guys have recently had uh, gone through redesigns maybe to also allow for emission standards? Yeah, so another big one that we're really excited to bring back out because we've been without it for about a year, year and a half now is the LML version. Um, the LML over the years, 11 to 16 models, has, you know, it, it was even more popular than the LBZ there for a while. And for certain reasons, we weren't able to uh, continue manufacturing that part anymore. And in the, in the background, we've been working on a redesigned version that is, uh, you know, emissions compatible, uh, that flows you know, again, 35%, I think 30 or 35 or 34% better than the factory part. And we're really excited to bring that one to market. It's, uh, it's working through the casting shop right now, and we should have some, some prototypes going, you know, by the end of the year here. And uh, we're excited about that one because the LMLs, we get questions all the time daily on that one. Oh, where's the LML bridge? We want an LML bridge. And we redesigned all the intercooler piping, the upper crossover. Uh, we got all those parts available. And right now, the factory bridges, the bottleneck on those, again, they're two and three-eighths of an inch, and we've got a nice uh, little over three inches, actually, I believe it is, uh, 3.1 or so. And uh, that one's coming real soon as well. So, 
I love that. I love coming out with the new stuff. Now, I know one of the things uh, I had heard you talk about recently as well was some of your testing process uh, and what that looks like. Uh, I know anytime we're talking about releasing a new product here at Duramax Tuner, testing and data validation is such a big topic for us. Uh, I know it is for you guys, too. Can you cue our listeners in? What what is If you got a first prototype in your hands tomorrow, what does the process from there look like to get it out to customers? Well, even before that, before that first prototype is here in our hands, we do a lot of 3D printing. We've got a, a, a pretty high-end 3D printer here, so when the engineers are going through their revisions, you know, they'll get to a pretty good stage in the part where you know, it's worth printing. We'll print it out so we've got something in our hands we can look at. We'll even install it on the truck at that point, whether it's on a mock-up engine or a, a, a complete real truck, uh, to check fitment, check clearances against stuff, make sure the models in the computer are, are you know, matching to real life because sometimes there's some variances there between what the – computer model show versus, you know, what's real life on the truck. Try and fit it on a couple different model years. And, you know, there's always bound to be a revision or two from that. Uh, make an improvement wherever we can, um, whether it be for fitment or for flow. And uh, go through a couple different 3D printed versions. And then from there is when we spend the big bucks to have the have the, the, the um, tooling for the casting house made. There's, there's a lot of expense that goes into the design and manufacturing of the tooling in order to get these these, this particular one for the LML is going to be a, a cast aluminum component um, where the, the LBZ is a hybrid. It's got a cast base section and a fabricated uh, inlet horn. Um, so then from there, once we've got a good design 3D print that we've installed and tested and we'll have the mechanics install it, we'll get other people's opinions on it versus just myself or the, the engineer. Usually we'll have the engineer involved in the installation um, so that they can see firsthand how things go and make any changes necessary and then uh then we get the real real aluminum part in our hands we'll get it fixed up in the cnc machine get a machine and then that's when they start going out to uh some of our uh close dealers people we work with we'll send them to some some customers that we have good relationships with for free for feedback and, and fitment and and that's about when they're ready to go live man what a what, start what a arduous process right (laughs) there's so many steps that go through it i know sometimes uh especially when we were a younger company and we've dealt with other smaller companies you you know you get that first prototype in you bolt it up to one truck you drive it for a weekend and stamp it oh yeah it's good to go yeah um but but, this this latest project for the lml start to finish is probably going to be a year and a half ordeal so it definitely doesn't always move fast there's there's a lot of time in the design, you know, the engineers could have a couple hundred hours in designing uh, some of these parts and then all the different versions and, and edits and then dealing with the fixture, the, the tooling for the casting and then the, the casting itself and then setting up our machines to machine it. It's just a big, it's a big process on top of everyday production and, and normal, everything else happening in the shop. And you know, at any given time, there could be a dozen or two dozen different new products, you know, in development, you know, just at different stages. So, you know, going into LBZ LMM, now the LML, I mean, you guys have had the LB7. Are you guys going to revisit the LLY? I know that's only like a year and a half production run, but is that going to be something in the yeah. uh, future? It definitely, it wasn't as high on the list just because it's a shorter model year run, uh, but they are popular and we, we still are getting a lot of requests for those. So it's, it's good to see there's still some, some interest out there in them. And it's on our list and we've got a, we've got a design that's, that's at the 3D print stage, let's say. Um, so it's, you know, a third of the way there and, uh, it's, it's moving forward. It's just not quite as far along as, uh, as the LML bridge is at this point. Okay. 
Yeah. You know, it's kind of wild. Something else, Chris, I was just thinking of when we started um, to get hired at a diesel performance company, you likely were a welder, a mechanic or a sales guy or a tuner. But that, that was the majority of the yeah. jobs. There are some administrative jobs in this industry, but yeah. like most of the jobs in diesel performance revolved around that. Now, engineers, electronical engineers, yeah. like, like there's people, there's so much more that goes oh. into it to, to be able to do this at scale and industry be able to evolved. do this like this. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really, really good to see. And it's always refreshing to talk with you, Jason, about seeing some of these new parts and the new development that's coming out and kind of all of the, the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into it to be able to make these things a reality. What uh, What's a product that you're excited about that's maybe further out? What, what's a, a sneak preview we can give our listeners today? Uh, well, we'll change pace a little bit here because we're talking Duramax, but believe it or not, we're pretty excited for these, this Ford. Um, you probably would never expect to hear me say that, but we no. got a Ford, and uh, we've had it for about four or five months now, I think. The, the engineers have been working on some design stuff for a little longer than that. Um, we've got some prototype product that's been on the truck that we've been testing. Uh, we've got some pieces that are actually working through the emissions testing process right now for uh, 49 state compliance. And, uh, you know, we're hoping by the end of the year here we're going to have a couple Ford products for the 6.7 guys, 2020 and newer to start with. And then we'll be working backwards on a couple of the older model year trucks, 17 to 19, and then in the 11 to 16. Um, but the Ford, the 6.7 Power Strokes is, uh, is a big one for us that everyone's pretty excited about. We've had a lot of those are, that's probably the number one request our sales guys get, you know, over consistency over the last however many years is when, when are we going to see Ford products from you guys? We love your Duramax. We love your coming stuff. Uh, we want it for the Fords. So we're pretty excited to bring some Ford stuff to market here soon. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. That's exciting to hear. Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, no problem, guys. It was good talking to you again, and we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Listeners, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Hemke. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Uh, This has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll talk to you again soon. Come on, Chris. You know me. Well, that.